are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. No, I went into the military for two years. Oh, okay. How come only two years? Because I volunteered for the draft. You were in the Army? Yes. Stateside one year and Vietnam one year. Can I ask how that was? What, Vietnam? Yeah. A very humbling experience. I never understood why we were there, but I sure learned a lot while I was there as far as how other people had to live and what they had to go through to take and survive. There's nothing I need. It just told me to where, God, why should I want for anything? But go to garbage dumps and dig for food in the mornings. So it humbled me. So then you came home from the Army. Yep. And did you meet your sweetheart? We did not meet them. We met seven years earlier. We dated for seven years. We just met at, at a uh, window roast, a church, a church social. What was her name? Beulah. Beulah? Yeah. And you got married. Mm-hmm. How long were you married? Three years. What happened? I happened. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you didn't happen. Whenever I married that young lady, it's all my fault. I wasn't ready to get married. I actually actually married her out of obligation. Why, was she pregnant? Nope. I just felt that I was obligated to marry her after seven years. Did you guys have kids? We had one child. Son, Lee. So then you got divorced? Yes. When did you start working at this machine shop? I started working at the machine shop in 1969. When you got back? Yeah, shortly after I got back. Yeah, I, I worked a couple odd jobs, but the main job was that running the machine or that whenever wax paper. And then you met your second wife? Yep, her name was Dorothy. Where'd you meet her at? She had engaged to a friend of mine. <laughs> and we met. And, and that didn't work out for them or him? No. A few months later, we were married. I've always pretty fast. I don't. I guess so. Yeah. And you guys were married? 38 years. Wow. Then she passed in 2010 from lung disease. And you guys had a daughter? Yep. Cassie, I lost her in August of 2010. I lost them six weeks apart. Oh, man. So Dorothy passed away. Your daughter passed away. Did you retire at that time? I have another son yet, and that's oh, okay. Corey. Cassie and Corey. Mm-hmm. Corey's, I think, 42 now, and Lee would be 52. So then you retired? In 2009. Oh, right before they passed away. Mm-hmm. 18 months after that, I woke up one morning sobbing. This is lonely, and I asked God, I said, look, if there's a woman out there for me, you need me to her. Because I'm not looking for one, I'm not going to get on mine or anything. I'm just going to let you guide me to whoever you want me to take and be married to. And about a month later, I was invited here to this church to take and come to a meal and move. <laughs> and I need Ethel. The Lord brought you to the upper room he to meet sure did. Ethel. And whenever she walked in the room, my heart just started speaking 90 mile an hour. I knew she was the one. So you came to a social, right? It was dinner and a movie? Yes. 
February 19th of 2012. Okay, so what was your pickup line for her? There wasn't a pickup line. <laughs> what did you do? You just said. No, we know. Hi, I'm Larry. Do you want to marry me? Your mother and father were sitting at the table, and I come with Denny Fellinger and Jan. Because Denny was my pastor for eight years at Nazarene Church in Minerva. I went to visit him, and he asked me to come along, and I did. And she came over and sat down at the table. And uh, Denny Fellinger says, This is. Ethel Lehman, and she asked me to go to her house and pick elderberries. I said, oh, man, I love elderberry pie. And she said, well, I'm making mean elderberry pie. I'm not there with history. Didn't you guys get married like a month later? Two months later, Two April, months. April 21st, <laughs> 2012. Love at first sight. Oh, it was for me. Do you remember what movie was playing? Sure, Courageous. Because I sit and sob the whole time because I was thinking about my daughter. So you so, guys have been married... Ever since, for how long? It'll be 10 years, April 21st. Wow. How do you guys spend your time? Do you have hobbies? Our hobby in the summertime is going garage selling. Plus going to the KOA and go for bike and go rent a cabin for a few days now and then during the summer. What about the wintertime? We hibernate. <laughs> that's it. We hibernate and go to the doctors and that's about it. We don't do a whole lot during the winter. Do you have favorite shows you watch? I'm not a TV person anymore. I watch very little TV. You read? My thing is listening to my auto Bible. I have it on my phone. And my Gaither music. I am just stuck on their music. I love it. I have uh, 30 some of their tapes. And I'll listen to them now and then. Just sit back and relax and think about God and pray. And I really enjoy them. And, and the, the Shine sh- podcast that you eat for breakfast, you said? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, sit, I'll have my breakfast have one of the uh, podcasts going on, yeah. So you've been at the upper room for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Oh, I'm five of number 10. Oh, yeah. I'm the fifth child of 10 children. You're a middle child? Uh, yep. And I've paid for it all these years. <laughs> <laughs> What's What was the age gap between the oldest and the youngest? 82 to 62. 20 years. 20-year gap. Every two years? No. There was three of us that were premature. Mom had three of us at seven months right in a row. Oh, wow. God bless her. That's all I thought. Grandkids? I have eight grandkids. On your side or? On my side. And I have uh, five great-grandchildren and one on the way. So we'll, Josh and I will probably dig and ask more based on what you say. Don't dig too deep. I got my shovel today. <laughs> <laughs> when you heard your first Shine podcast, were you like, I'm going to be on that show one day? No, but I sure loved it, though. I really, this is great. I thought, man, this is better than spiced bread. <laughs> yeah. We made your day. Oh, you sure did. So had yes. you been listening to other... It, it's awesome. It's just awesome to listen to other people's stories. And plus... I'm a storyteller. I like to take tough stories about myself. I'll make them up. Oh, well, only the you, truth on here. We might have fact checkers out there. Laugh. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do anything to make you laugh. That's my purpose in life, to make people laugh. Okay. Do you listen to other podcasts, or had you been listening to other podcasts before this one? No. This is the first one I've ever listened to. He said he eats it for breakfast. I like that. <laughs> do you, and you said you have an audio Bible yes. you listen to? Is that on an app, or is that... Uh, on, on my app. Okay. I've been listening to the DAB. Oh, yeah? You're a dabber? Brian. Do you enjoy it? I do. I like it. Oh, good. The Bible app that I listen to is the Daily Audio Bible. It's two chapters of Old Testament, a chapter of New Testament, Psalm and Proverb every day. 
over the course of the year, it'll go through the whole Bible. Well, I do. I'll go in and mix it up myself. I'll listen oh, really? to a couple uh, chapters of Genesis or something on it. Okay. Then I'll go to Proverbs and, and Psalms. Oh, and okay. Take it. Yeah, I mix it up. Yeah, it's hard to go. It's just right. It is. Yeah. Beginning to end. I am ready when you are. Okay. You got a name today? <laughs> no. <laughs> Although I noticed you went by middle names. I think last time Elizabeth is my middle name. Oh. I never use my first name. <laughs> Can I ask what your first name is? I will have to kill you. Oh. No. <laughs> I'll just give you a hint. It starts with a J. Oh. Julia. No. Juanita. <laughs> I don't know. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Eliza. And Josh. Alan. Alan. Okay. Welcome, Alan. We're here with Larry Campbell today. Welcome, Larry. It's so great to have you here. Glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. We made his day because he's on the Shine podcast, which he says he eats for breakfast. <laughs> I do. I like to listen to it when I'm eating. With your Cheerios? Eggs, bacon. Oh, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Does Ethel make you that kind of breakfast? No, I make, I make her breakfast. You're a good man, Larry Campbell. I make her day. Nice. Larry was born in 1947 in Malvern, Ohio, and is a graduate of the class of 1966 from he volunteered for the draft and spent two years in the military. Larry worked in manufacturing. He ran he ran coating machines at Minerva Wax Paper and ended up spending 37 years in the manufacturing industry. So finding himself lost and lonely after 38 years with Dorothy and reeling from the death of his wife and his daughter, Larry woke up one morning sobbing. Tell us about that. I've been crying all night. This lonely, lost, as far as no companion. And I thought, I don't want to go out there and look for a woman or get online. So I said, God, it's in your hands now. If there's a woman out there for me, you lead me to her. When a month later, I'm on my way to Lisbon, Ohio. He directed me to take and go to see Benny Fellinger who got us acquainted at, at the Upper Room Fellowship one night. She was a lady for me. And that lady for him is Ethel Campbell, formerly Ethel Lehman, who had lost her husband. Yeah, she lost her husband and daughter-in-law the same year as I lost my wife and daughter. God orchestrated their meeting. They went elderberry picking. No, we didn't go elderberry picking. <laughs> I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> Denny Fellinger told me when we sang there that it was Ethel Lehman and that she lets him come on her property to pick out of berries. And that's when I said, well, I love out of berry pie. And Ethel says, well, I make a nice out of berry pie. Well, I did it right there. I was hooked. And they have been married in bliss and love for the last 10 years. And they've been a part of the Upper Room Fellowship. Also, a grandpa, he has eight. They are having fun being Papa and Grandpa to all of those grandkids. I'm also joined today by our special co-host, Josh Osborne, has joined me in the studio again today. Kate is leading worship for our 24-7 week, and so it's great to have you back, Josh. It's wonderful to be here. He's eaten the Shine podcast for breakfast as well, and is going to be one of our regular co-hosts on here when our schedules get crazy. So good to have you here, Josh. And Larry, it's so great to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's an honor. So, Larry, tell us, who or what turned your light on? You know, for many years, nothing did. I was never involved in the church. I didn't know anything about, really about God. We just more or less lived to ourselves. We lived in an old brickyard where there's nothing but 
cinders and moon grass. When you were growing up? When I was growing up. But we lived in this little brick road, like I say, for almost seven years. There's a two-room house with, at that time, nine people living there. Seven children and mom and dad. Wow. You know, one thing about having that many people in the house, and it said the supper time, you went in and ate, or else you may be eating scraps of the dogs, because it'd be gone. <laughs> you made sure you, you was around when it's supper time. We didn't have a whole lot, and you know, a lot of people, I think, maybe would frown on that, but I think it was a blessing for me, because I learned in life that you don't need material things to take and make it through life. And then, unfortunately, when I was younger, I didn't realize it until now. The only thing you really need is good health, a, a great family, and the Lord. But I did not know anything about the Lord until I really got into the Lord in my late 30s. For years, I just didn't need God. You going, were running around, I was having going fun. fun on my own. So, what started to bring you into a relationship with the Lord? In 1982, I was sitting in a bar, drinking my sorrows away. Because I, I knew I was an alcoholic, but I just never would do nothing about it. And this here, this one night, I was sitting at a little table like this here, and I heard someone tell me if I didn't take and leave, I'd never see my family again. And I just assumed there was someone wanting to cause a fight. I'm looking around, there's nobody around me. I'm thinking, okay. Sit down, start drinking some more of my beer. And I heard the voice, and it was audible. I could hear it plain as day. When this little whisper is very audible and it wasn't loud or freaky, it was just a voice. I heard him say again, if you didn't get leave, you'd never see your family again. Now I'm getting mad now because I know someone's wanting to fight. I'm up looking at the tables. I'm looking all over the place. I can't find this person. Third time, I realized it was God. I said, okay, Lord, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I knew it was God. I just, just that instant, that third time, I knew it was the Lord. So I started home. Got outside to take a walk home, and it had been pouring down rain. It was freezing rain. And I was walking down these tracks to get home. I had fallen, hit my shin on the rail of the tracks. And I started feeling sorry for myself. I'm just, I thought to myself, well, when I get to the railroad trestle, I'm going to jump into those rocks and kill myself. I'm done. I've had enough. I'm spent. I can't take it any longer. With God's love and grace and mercy... He put me into a blackout from the time I thought about that till I woke up grabbing the knob of the door at my house. I had no recollection of what happened in between there. None. Whether he picked me up and carried me home, I have no idea. But I called them to PD and told them if they didn't come to my house, I was afraid I hurt myself or the family, I want you to come and arrest me. He says, we can't arrest you. He says, when I come down here and do whatever I want to do to you, you will arrest me. They said, wait a minute, don't, don't be doing that now. So they got me help, and I was told if I didn't get to Molly Stark the next morning by 9 o'clock, I'd lose my spot as far as the bed. And I woke up that morning, a new man. No hangover. And then just a few hours before that, I was even my guts out. Had a terrible headache, shakes. I was a mess. But I woke up, and that next morning, I was a new man. I said to my wife, you got two hours to get me to Molly Stark. It was 7 o'clock in the morning. We're going now, or else I'm not going. I feel too good. I'm not going. And from that day on, I've never had a desire for a drink ever again. My whole life changed. The weight on my shoulders was gone. It was lifted. How long were you at rehab? 18 days. And unfortunately, the, the percentage of people making it through there wasn't very good. I was in a group of 19. I was the only one that stayed sober. The rest of them went back out. 
just broke my heart. I remember going and seeing my therapist 10 years later, and we both just sat and sobbed, realizing that not many people turned away. It was sad to realize that was the only one. That, so this coming January 22nd, I'm uh, 40 years of sobriety. That's awesome. That's amazing. So many people pray for deliverance and look for deliverance, and it's awesome that God was able to reach you so so instantly. Do you feel like in that moment, you know, leading up to that, did you feel like your heart was open to that? Like, were you searching in that time? For the last couple of years before this happened, I asked God to just let me die every day. I hated what my life was like. I hated who I was. But I needed that fix. I needed that bottle. I'd go to bed at night and have a bottle by my bed so when I woke up in the morning or in the middle of the night, I could start drinking again. Do you know what caused you to start drinking? I started drinking when I got to Vietnam because I've become a man. I'm in Vietnam now, and I started drinking, smoking. I just never let it go for years until God delivered me from both. He delivered me from not the cigarettes in, in, in 2000, not to live from the cigarettes. Yeah, every day for two years before I severed up, I wanted to just die. I hated myself. I was just no good to society or anybody, to be honest. And it's scary to realize how that can really, that something like that can get a hold of you and really destroy you. So you went into two marriages in that state? Yes. 41 years of marriage in, in that state with two different women. Yeah. Your desperation in that time indicates to me that you were aware of that problem, though, that you had, that you needed some deliverance from that. Well, that you, true, yes. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly, yes. That you were, you were aware of it yourself. Mm-hmm, sure. And so there was at least some, some searching you must have been doing. Do you feel like at any point during that, were you looking to God for deliverance, or did you just feel helpless and kind of hopeless in that time? I just felt hopeless at that time. And that's that's the beautiful thing about the whole thing. From that time on is whenever, like I say, my whole life changed and I was a new man. Talk about being changed. I was changed. Yeah. And so what were some of the things that you noticed immediately after getting home from that time in rehabilitation? From Molly Stark? Yeah. When you got back home, like to your house and, you know, so many people, when they have a positive experience with rehabilitation or something, they go back home and they get back into their routine and life kind of takes over. Mm -hmm. What were some things that you noticed that were different that helped keep you on that path? I started looking at other people and how I could take make their lives better instead of worrying about myself. Hmm. You became a lot more outward focused. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, another thing that helped me though, for a year, they taught us to at least go to one meeting a day for a year. And I did that. And then things started happening in the program I wasn't crazy about. Not that I got my life back together and, and getting to the church. I didn't like how people would talk and say things in front of women. And this guy, I know he won't make it out of this. And I thought, I don't know part of this. So I just turned to the Lord instead. Did you get plugged into a local church? Yes, I got plugged into uh, the Assembly of God. I started going to the Assembly of God there in Minerva. And then they fell apart, and then started going to the Nazarene Church with Denny Thelinger was the pastor. And I was there seven years, and then he left, and I stayed for a while longer with another gentleman who was the pastor there. The thing was, I got involved in the church. I'd grab the van and pick up kids for church and get together with the, with the men, and we'd have our time together and minister to, with each other. And for a long time, I wouldn't get involved. And I started out with, as far as the usher at the church, and you got to get your feet wet once in a while, and you just get set back. It's a great way to meet people yeah. when you get involved and you help and you start serving in the church. Mm-hmm. Another thing was it really helped me get into church with my little boy come on one me take and go to church with him because it's going to have a uh, he had to make a homemade car and he ran on this down this track. He wanted me to help me make this. Car. We did it together and I started going with him and 
Was that on. Soapbox Derby? Yeah, something okay. like that, right, yeah. And he won. He won first place. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I saw a picture of him. They took his picture for the, being the winner of the race. That was neat. So you've been walking with God for same time you've been sober, right? There's been times I got away from, away from the Lord. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you what happened. My late wife and I were living in Malvern at the time. For about a year, I started my prayer room. About a year after we got married, we really got really got involved in the church where we went over at Carrollton, Ohio, to the Four Square Goth. And suddenly to say, I went to my prayer room for a year, and I'd be praying for maybe hours at a time. And one day I'm starting down the stairs about a year later to take and get ready for work after I'd prayed and everything. And my wife put me halfway up the stairs and says, it's to the mirror God. I turned my back on God. I gave up my prayer room. And lady, I'm going to tell you what, for seven years I was on a tangent. For seven years, I just ran from God. Was she just not into it, or she didn't like the amount of time? I was was not giving her enough time. I was giving God more time than I was giving her. So the second time that you committed yourself to the Lord, were you able to balance that differently, or was she just more open to it? Her and I, we lived in the same house, but that's about it. She did her thing. I did my thing, more or less. She would never go to church with me. That's just how we lived. Because I told God that I realized what a divorce does to a person and a child. I never divorced again. When I married her, it was was for keeps until I lost her 38 years later. But we weren't compatible, I'll put it that way. I never took time to take them. I was always in a hurry. I've been away all my life. Do you feel like your time in Vietnam impacted you in such a profound way that it led you down this road? Or were you headed that way before you went to Vietnam? You know what? I honestly didn't know what they blame it on. Really, I just, all I know is, let's put it this way, when I got to Vietnam, you know, you could get wild. And I did. We could drink anytime we wanted to after we got off work, you know, and doing our jobs, they were there. And just started partying, and I loved it. I just fell in love with partying, and that's what happened. Matter of fact, after I married, I would tell my wife I'm going to work and throw my bibs on because I walked to work. I didn't start driving until I, until I was 45 years old. I walked everywhere. Well, that's a fun fact you missed in the <laughs> yeah, just, bio. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, just, it just hit me. And I'd walk up the tracks to go to work and stop at the bar and stay there until half the night and go home and tell my wife I was sick. I didn't go to work. I was up at the bar partying, doing whatever they wanted to do. Good thing Jesus loves you, and he reached down and pulled oh, you out of that. Yeah, for seven years. And then that's when I had my experience with the Lord here at the bar. It's been great ever since. It's been, it's been, it's been awesome. It seems like you had a, an awareness of a need for God. If you were praying even before that time when he called you, the spiritual encounter you talked about kind of reminded me initially of God calling Samuel, you know, where he calls him I, and, I and Samuel doesn't recognize the voice and he calls again. And, and finally, uh, Eli tells him it's, it's the Lord and they realize, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then uh, he responds to that call. It reminded me of that. You had a prayer room and you were seeking God even before that. Your heart must have been open and tender to right. the Lord's yeah. call. Yeah, it was. Did your parents ever take you to church? Very little. My dad was always working. He worked. He'd work doubles and triples to make money to keep us fed. He was yeah. never hardly home. He'd even work triples. He'd work twenty four hours. Shoo. That's what Rich said about his big family. You know, his dad showed love by working so he could yeah. provide for his family. Knowing my father, I knew I had a father, but really knowing my father. I didn't know my father until the last year before he passed away. I was off work. I was unemployed. 
So I was able to go down and see him. had a lot. I went down to his yard for him. And we talked about the Lord because Dad didn't take him to become a child of God until he was like 60 years old. And boy, he went, he just loved the Lord out there. I mean, he just got involved in the church and become the layman of the church and everything at Malvern, at the Methodist Church in Malvern. And we sat and just saw him and talked about our lives, how God has changed us both so much. We just sat and saw I was more like my dad than I ever thought I was. Because I'm a, I'm a very emotional person. I have a tender heart. I just love people. I don't care who you were, who you are, what you've done, because I know what I what I can be like, and what I have been like. So, how did your relationship with your dad change how how you were a father to your kids? Well, I was just like my father. I was never home. So it was like that you were repeating your dad's cycle. Yes, more or less. Met the wife, raised the kids. I worked, and then I planned it that way. Just the way it was. And by the time I got up from and go to work, they're just getting home from school. And then I'd be going to get home, so I didn't have a whole lot as far as raising the children. And I think that was a lot of our problem as far as our, our marriage, too, that he felt that I wasn't being part of the family as far as raising the kids. Yeah, I think that that's a, in a traditional household for a lot of families, that's the case. That if, Especially in that time, yeah, in that era. If one parent is working all the time, the other parent feels like they're always with the kids and there's a separation there. And like you had talked about, just feeling like you're living in the same house, kind of sharing the same house. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, the in the past, certainly the guy has been the one going to work. And I think that's something that guys are becoming more and more aware of over time, just the importance of, of spending time with family and sharing that. Yeah. So tell us, Larry, what lights you up? Doing for other people. I have my own little ministry. I caught my little ministry that I'll go out whenever Ethel and I are out eating or I always have my ears open and I've helped people as far as there was one person one time was short on money at the register. I helped them out financially so they can get what they wanted. And plus, I like to take and buy people their meals when I'm out there. The Lord will touch me to take and buy a meal for someone. And uh, I just enjoy taking and uh, doing for people. I love it. I'm a, I'm a cheerful, cheerful giver. I love to give. When you I take do. meals out, do you sit and visit with them as well? We have, yes. Yeah, we have. And we'll sit and talk to somebody next to us. And they say, well, why are you doing this, sir? No, you can't do that. Why are you doing this? Because God blesses me and I want to bless you. That's how it works. God give me extra to take and I can do this. It ain't because I'm rich. It's just because I feel like God wants me to take and do this and I just want to, want to bless you. And this one guy says, I know one thing. I've never seen this before. He says, I've never in my life seen anybody do that. I'm just honored I could do it for you, you know. That really encapsulates, like, the whole mission of the Upper Room, I think. Know God, share life, and serve others. Mm-hmm. It's kind of all three in one there. Service to others just because yeah. you've been blessed. It is. And, yeah. I, and not, like I said, I love people. I think since after I got saved, because before I got saved, I think I was a loner. I just stayed to myself. I didn't want people bothering me. I didn't want to... You know, I just, just, I would go out and hide in the woods somewhere, go for a walk. And that's something that kept me going was nature. I love nature. God's creation. And I just go out, I'd go out and take a, a blanket, pitch up a tent and stay out in the woods by myself. Did your mom even know you were gone? <laughs> With oh, 10 want, kids? <laughs> I didn't tell you a story about that. My mother and father, after school was out, we went to see my aunt. They did their visit and threw the kids in the car, but they forgot me. This year was like in late May, early June. They come back and got me at the end of August. <laughs> <laughs> so 
miracle you're still here, Larry. <laughs> oh, I did some crazy things in my day. We're not going to talk about it, but but uh, I was just a loner. So you're in a season in life where you're retired and Ethel's retired. So you guys get to spend a lot of time together and you have the time to bless people and to be looking for ways that you can serve and help. Well, see, that was something that I got to thank God for. Through this pandemic, our lives haven't changed. We're staying home anyhow. We was only going to the doctors when we had to. Other than that, there was always at home. And I felt sorry for these people that lost their jobs. No money coming in to, take, to support themselves. It just broke my heart knowing these people out there suffering the way they were. Yeah, it's it just sad. It just makes my heart. I hate to see anybody suffer. So I'll tell, I, I love, like I say, whenever I could, I'd help somebody out. I, I look at this with, I think as it says in the Bible, don't let your right hand know what the left hand's doing. In other words, as long as I know what I'm doing, and not, not that they can go out and say, hey, look what I'm doing. I'm giving so so this. Because some people do that. They want to say, look what I'm doing. Well, I don't want no glory for nothing. You've got to give God the glory. It's all because of God's love and grace and mercy for me and give me the extra, but I can do it. I'm, I'm so great. I'm just another child of God, you know. So you've lived a lot of life and had a, a pretty big journey, even, you know, leading up to 2012. So how has being married to Ethel changed your life in the last 10 or 11 years? Uh, changed my life? Yeah. He gets good pies now. After the third marriage, <laughs> I finally found out what true love's all about. Because we both were evenly yoked. That's the big thing. I was not evenly yoked. But my first wife was more or less evenly yoked. We went to the same church and was raising about this church. Like I said, at that time, I wasn't ready to be married, so that was my fault. But in the second marriage, we were not evenly yoked. It, it causes friction. Can you expound on that a little bit? By What do you mean by evenly yoked? I wanted to live for the Lord. And she just wanted to, wanted to do her thing. You want to go to, go to church? You go to church. But I'm not, not for the first few years we was married. We all we went to church together, and all of a sudden things just kind of went south. But for years we were just we just lived with each other. How has it been here at the upper room for you? Because you came from different backgrounds, more conservative churches, or my f- second marriage when we, when we first started going together, we. She was in a Pentecostal church. And boy, I'll tell you what, that scared me to death when I first got involved in that. It, these people are crazy. They ain't got brain one, man. Hollering, carrying on, falling over each other. It's like, what is going on here? But after a while, I got in the word, the word and everything, I thought, okay, I'll give it a chance. And that's when I really started enjoying getting involved in, in the church and, and being with the Lord. So, Larry, tell us how you do like to get into the Word. You said you don't comprehend a lot when you read or it doesn't stick. So tell no, us, how do you get around that, getting your Word in, in a way that sticks for you? The audio Bible. I can sit and listen to it. I might listen to a chapter two or three times or a certain verse. I want to take and understand more about it. But the audible Bible, I really, it really helps me out a lot. Yeah, it's a really cool medium for people, I think. A way for people to listen and absorb information who are auditory learners who think more that way. I feel the same way when I read. I have to read it several times. I might get a couple pages in and think, I have no idea what I just read, Mm -hmm. you know, and have to go back and reread it. But listening definitely hits a different way. So I think that's a really really good tool. It helps me a lot. Thank God we got that where we get that app and I'm able to listen to it like that. What a time to be alive. You already answered the spiritual, the spiritual encounter, encounter yeah. so. All right, so. Change it up a little bit. 
So, Larry, since you already gave a spiritual encounter, as a young man, I would be interested in any advice that you would have to share. Looking back over your life, if you could tell 30-something-year-old you something, what would it be? Or what are some of the lessons that you've gained? Oh, my. I would say the big thing is, for me, is to not always think of yourself, but others. I think you got to take and, uh, like I say, not think just for yourself. Be more selfless. Right. I love your story, Larry, that just paints a picture of how much God loves people and how much he wants to save them when they're on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. And that God loved you enough to hang out in a bar with you and tell you, you're going to lose your family if you don't go home right now. And he was persistent about that. That's just a beautiful picture of doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing out there, because God still loves you, and Jesus wants to be your Savior and your friend and be Lord of your life, and He will go to all lengths to do that. And it's great to hear stories where people respond to His invitation and they don't ignore it, because sometimes people can ignore it. But you didn't ignore it, you responded to it, and it put you on a very different path than what you were. And you're here today to share God's love and share your kindness and your service with other people because you accepted the invitation when Jesus called you. And something that I think you did really well, something that makes the Shine podcast great and something that I'm sure you enjoy about it is people getting on and telling their stories and just being genuine. And I really appreciated that about everything that you shared. You're so genuine about it and just being open and honest. And something that really struck me several times, the the way you said it, and kept coming back to that theme of being outward focused and even talking about that as a way that you were able to remain a new creation. And when you said you were delivered and when I asked how that was possible for you, you said, you know, when you came back, you were just so much more outward focused. And I think God calls us to that. I think that that's something that the upper room really emphasizes too, is to know God and to share life with people. And that's something that you've been able to, to take and really run with and be passionate about. And I think that's awesome. Can I tell you one more story? Absolutely. Many times God spoke to me, not now this time, but it's just that still voice. I'm driving home from Canton, Ohio, from work. I felt the Lord telling me to go to the Carnation Mall in Alliance and go in. And I thought, I'm broke. I don't want to go to Carnation, Carnation Mall. I don't want to go there, Lord. I drive a little further. Okay, so I drive in there, park the car, walk into the Carnation Mall, walking around, feeling like, what am I doing here, Lord? I don't see nothing going on, you know. I walked in there, and I don't know if you're familiar with the mall at all, but as you make this one turn, I look down, straight down from there, and it's the eatery down there next to the theater. I seen two people sitting there. I thought, oh, this is it. I know. Okay, so I went down there, and there it was my cousin and his sister. And I sat down there, and I looked at my cousin and says, Richard, you're like a death on a stick. What's going on? Well, I tried to commit suicide last night. Boy, did we have a talk. I started bawling because I knew it was God working, and he led me there to help my cousin. We sat there and talked for an hour or so, and I'm sure I prayed for him, and I left. I thought, boy, God, you're awesome. But a month later, I get a call from my cousin. He says, hey, Larry, I want to call and tell you. I'm going back to church. I rededicated my life to the Lord, and I'm going down the street and playing music for people at the rest home now. I thought, what an awesome God we serve. 
That is an awesome what story an awesome God we of serve. being obedient even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. yeah, God's an awesome God. Yeah, and really illustrates too, again, just how when we know God, then the responsibility for us is to share you know, our experience mm-hmm. and our salvation with, with people and share our knowledge of God with, with them in any way that can help them. I'm going to tell you one more quick little story. Bring it on. I was going to church one morning, and I did live right around the corner from the church. So I was walking to church one morning, and I said, Lord, I got five bucks in my wallet, and I cannot give it to the put in the plate today. I need it for gas to get to work tomorrow. Well, I figured, well, okay, we're good. <laughs> got in the church, and they passed the plate and everything. I didn't feel like I needed to put that in the plate. So God and I must have understood each other. Had a visitor there that day, and he spoke. Pastor Gibson, we're going to think of a love offering now for Pastor So-and-so, I can't remember his name. And God says, Lord, he put that $5 in the plate. I'm like, wait a minute, we got to talk him whenever here. I, can, I, I can't give up this $5. But faithful, I said, okay, Lord, if that's how it's going to be, put him in there. And I did. You talk about God working in a mysterious way. I never even gave a thought of it putting in there. was worried about it at all. I knew God would take care of it. But I knew I needed gas in that car for the next day. But a half hour later... I ever hear a knock on my door. Here's my son-in-law's aunt. She says, Larry, I know you're going to be mad at me, and I don't blame you, but i got to come in and talk to you. Says, come on in. She says, I asked the Lord. This is funny. If you let me win on the scratch-off scratch ticket, I'll give half of it to somebody that needs it. <laughs> she gave me $25. Fivefold. 20 I just started sobbing like a baby. You know, God, you're so good. Now I can fill the tank up, plus have money for lunch. I mean, I just love it how God takes care of us. He but, is. He does, and he's faithful. And I, I think it's great to hear stories, and I know you probably have a lot more stories, and we could go on and <laughs> on. And, it, right. And <laughs> it's great to hear it. But you are reminding us all that it's so important to listen to the voice of God. And you've heard God's voice audibly, and you mm-hmm. also hear him a lot in the still quietness of his voice and giving you directions and telling you what to do. And you're being obedient, and you see the fruit of that, because God calls us to things and tells us to do things, not because he wants to make us miserable. I love that you said you didn't feel too guilty about not putting the $5 yeah. in. You and God must have understood each other. Right. <laughs> like, you guys um, had an agreement. Like right. you said, it wasn't God didn't need the money. You right. Know? Like, there wasn't. It was like he was saying, it's okay. Like, I don't need it. And I love that you thought, like, I'm not being convicted of this, so it must be okay. Yeah, and so right, that yeah. you're listening for God in that <laughs> way and then um and then when he did ask you to, to put it in for the love offering you were able to to respond to that as well and that conviction and and then just learn a lesson there of just how important it is to trust god and how freeing that can be but then also pass that on you know like you're passing it on now kind of the full circle then i'm gonna yeah. say one more quick thing that comes to my mind that helps me daily what i do every morning when i get up i take personal inventory of myself because I know what I can be and where I've been. And I ask God to take and direct me each day. Like you said, I can be a scoundrel. I don't want to be, but I can be. The inventory every day of myself. That's uh, good. And I appreciate your willingness to share all of the experience that you've had and, and your honesty. And I hope uh, that young guys out there listening and ladies, young people will take note of, of the lessons that you're sharing. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.